So today we just want to do a one-part series called Road Trip. And um, how many of you guys have been on a road trip? Like, I'm not talking like here to Montauk. I'm talking like Florida, California, Canada, something legit. All right, good. We got a bunch of you guys. So when I was a kid, I, I was born in 1978. So I grew up like in the heart of the 80s. So when 1980s, uh, road trip, dad and mom are like, we're going to Florida. I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. So we jump in the family minivan, or no, no, what am I saying? Station wagon, station wagon back in the day. And we're driving to Florida. And there were two essentials. I had two essentials I had to have with me to keep me sane on this long road trip. And the first one was a video game. Video game singular, not plural. It's not a video game system. We couldn't take games out and load new games. It wasn't an iPod with all kinds of games on it. It was one game. It's Double Dragon. That was the one game that I had. And there were four moves you could do. You could punch, kick, jump, or duck. That was it. And there was like two buttons. It was like up, you know, just these two. You know, these days you need like your feet and like, you know, hit the X button with your calf. Like, what the heck? How am I going to? So that's a whole different thing. And, and it looked like the graphics had been drawn by like a preschooler. It was all stick figures, you know. So that was essential number one. Now essential number two was the Walkman. The Walkman. Now the Walkman, if you were born after 1990, you don't even know what that means. But the Walkman was this device. You would put a cassette tape in, all right? And you'd put it in there, and you would listen to side A, all of side A. You didn't fast forward a little. That was like playing Russian roulette. You never knew. That was like taking your life in your hands. You could fast forward too far, too little. You'd come up in the middle of a song. Whole side A. Take it out. Listen to side B, all of side B. Turn it back over. Go again until either you broke the tape or it kind of spit itself all out in your Walkman. That was the worst, right? You literally... Be listening, and all of a sudden, it would start to slow down. You'd be like, no, you know? It was like the worst thing. You open it up, and literally the tape would be all messed up in all the gears and stuff. And you take the tape out, and you ask your dad for a pencil, and there were two little wheels, and you would spin the pencil eraser. Am I making this up? I'm not making this up. Thank you. Uh, you'd spin the pencil eraser in the wheels, and then eventually, as it got down real close, you get the pinky in there. And wee, 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 right? And get that thing nice and snug. So those were my two essentials growing up. Now my kids today, they have no right to utter the words, I'm bored on a road trip. Absolutely none. They have the iPod, billions of games, all kinds of songs and music. I'm bored, dad. When are we getting there? I'm like, we're in Lake Grove. We live in Center Reach, you know? Like, are you kidding me? So that's absolutely not. Okay, so the next road trip, man, I'm going to like force them to go old school. We're going one video game. I'm going to dig up Double, double Dragon somewhere and walk them in. And it's going to be an amazing, amazing trip. But uh, the, the road trip, man, as my, my good friend Joey Lucci likes to say, is the best of times and it's the worst of times. Isn't that true? When you're on a road trip, sometimes it's so great and sometimes it's just terrible. Uh, where have you guys gone? Go ahead, yell it out. Road trip to where? Okay. Wow, everybody goes to Florida. <laughs> All right. All right, cool. Good, good, good. Okay. Well, um, some of you guys know Dan Murphy. He's one of our volunteers. And Dan uh, wrote on social media when he saw that we were going to be talking about a road trip today. He said, oh, man, I can't listen to you talk about the road trip because I'll actually be on a road trip. And then he sent me a text and he said, Doug, what are you doing in Maryland? And then he sends me this text. Look at this. I look nothing like that man. People think all bald guys look alike, right? Like, I could be, like, walking through somewhere, and some guy comes to me, yo, I just saw someone who looks exactly like you, this bald guy over there. I'm like, that's Shaquille O'Neal. What the heck are you talking about, right? So thanks a lot, Dan. I appreciate that little road trip pic. That's wonderful. But, man, I'll tell you something about the road trip, man. It, it, it really is. Truly, it is the best of times, and it's the worst of times, you know? And honestly, it's the same thing with life, right? Life, honestly, is kind of one big 
road trip. And sometimes it's really great, and sometimes it's really, really terrible. And some of you guys came into the room tonight, and the road trip is awesome right now. And you're feeling like you're in a really good place. Some of us came in the room tonight, and the road trip is terrible right now. And so I feel like my job tonight is just to remind you that this is a road trip, and that's all it is. This is not our ultimate destination. We're on a road trip of life, but as a follower of Jesus, you are not to make this life what it's all about. There's something so much greater coming. There's an ultimate destination coming that I felt like I'm supposed to remind you and me about a little bit here tonight. Because this road trip is simply a trip to our final ultimate destination of heaven. Now, some of you guys might be thinking, well, why are we talking about this? I mean, it's a little bit weird even, you know. I, think, I don't like to think about death. I don't like to think about, you know, heaven and eternity and all that. And I'll address that in a minute. But I think the reason it's so important to talk about this is because life is so hard. Life is so difficult. And because of those times when life can beat us up so easily. I mean, just think about the things we prayed about tonight, right? We prayed about a little boy fighting cancer. This road trip is hard, man. We prayed about somebody's grandfather going in for surgery. We prayed about a woman who's been battling brain cancer and has had multiple brain surgeries. We prayed about some people struggling with addiction. We prayed about a couple who's about to, to give birth. And, and what should be a lot of excitement has turned into a lot of worry and fear because they're just praying, oh, God, help us just to make it to that date so this baby's fully formed. See, this road trip is really, really difficult sometimes. And it's in those moments that we have to think about heaven. We have to remember this is just simply the road trip. When I was a kid, right, and my Walkman would die and my Double Dragon game I got sick of and I threw it against the window and I didn't want to play it anymore, what kept me going? Thinking about, hey, I'm just on a trip. I'm going to Disney, right? I'm going to be somewhere I really want to be eventually. And even though this road trip stinks right now, listen, it's going to be worth it. And I just, tonight, I just feel like I'm supposed to remind you and I that it's going to be worth it, that the journey beats us down, it wears us down, but someday we have something so much greater than all this to celebrate. And you know what? There's a lot of beauty in here and now. We're going to celebrate that a little bit here tonight too. But I just think it's so important that we kind of learn this key that in the midst of the brokenness, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the hospital visits, in the midst of the bills and the, the debt and the, the, the difficulties, seasons of studying, seasons of losing jobs, all that stuff, that we're able to say, okay, but this is just the road trip. I'm going to keep my eyes on that final prize. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, as always, we're so glad that you're here. And you might think about this whole concept and be a little weirded out by it. And you might think, well, these people, you know, they, they're just, that's so nice that they believe in this. But I don't know that I could take it seriously. You know, sometimes people say that to me. You know, oh, what do you do? Oh, you're a pastor. Oh, that's so nice. That's so nice. I'm like, it's really not nice at all. It's, it's actually really hard. Don't tell my church I said that. But, but it's really, right? And sometimes I think that's what people think about us. You know, oh, you believe in God if that helps you. That's so nice. No, no, no. See, I just want to tell you, when we celebrate heaven, we celebrate what Jesus did because we're a bunch of people who've had our lives changed. We're a bunch of people who have seen that Jesus really is alive. And this heaven to us is not just a bedtime story we tell ourselves to feel a little bit better when we're going through difficult things. No, this is a reality. And so we're going to look tonight at some verses. I hope that you'll kind of celebrate this along with us tonight. 
So we're going to look in 2 Corinthians 4 and 2 Corinthians 5 tonight. And Paul, who was this missionary guy who planted all kinds of churches all over the place, he wrote some things about what we go through here in life. And Paul suffered more than any of us. Maybe all of us put together. I don't even know. He suffered some terrible, terrible things. And we're going to actually talk a little bit about that as we look through it. But Paul was so real about how hard the road trip could be. And what we're going to do is we're going to look in 2 Corinthians 4, and I'm just going to read portions of verses 8 and 9. So it says this, we're hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down. What's Paul saying here? Hey, man, the road trip is difficult sometimes. The road trip is really difficult sometimes. It's not maybe even all that we thought of thought it was going to be. I remember, I remember being a kid and thinking, man, life's going to be this and it's going to be that and I'm Mr. Optimist and my glass is half full and it's going to be all these great things. And you know what? Life is awesome. I'm blessed in a lot of ways, but man, the road trip is really difficult sometimes. When I was about 20, I was in this band made up of all drummers and we would just find stuff we could play stuff on, brooms and shovels and fences and you know street signs which were all obtained legally of course and uh we would find all this stuff and we would play and write songs and music with all these drummers and then we kind of started to go to like churches and we would go different places and we would play these different things and this one time we were in the middle of pennsylvania and we were coming back from playing a concert and uh we were packed in my mom's station wagon and behind the station wagon we had this trailer full of all our gear and all of a sudden as we're driving the engine starts billowing out this black smoke. And I'm like, that's not a good sign, right? So we pull over on this highway, and we unhook the trailer, and we push the station wagon to a nearby gas station. But then the trailer is still sitting on the side of the road. So we go back, and we're dragging in the middle of winter with our bare hands this trailer. And apparently, the license plate had gotten a little crooked on the back of the trailer as we're doing this. And so as we're, drive, or as we're walking, this, this car comes up, drives up to us, and we're thinking, either they're going to jump out and help us, or they have a hitch on the back of the car, and they're going to pull this thing for us. And instead of any of that, they simply roll down the window, and this lady goes, your license plate's dangling. I'm just pulling a trailer with my hands in the middle of winter on the side of a highway. And what's funny to me is that you think my biggest problem is that my license plate is dangling. Can I ask you a question tonight? Is anybody's license plate dangling? Right? It's like this happened, then this happened, and then now seriously this, and then that really helpful person stopped to tell me about my problem and then drove away. Has that ever happened in your life? Is that where maybe some of you are today? And the road trip is difficult sometimes. It's maybe not always all that we thought it was going to be. But what's interesting is that Paul doesn't just say he's hard-pressed and all those other things. Look at the whole verses here. He says, we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And you go, Paul, but how can you say this? Like, what's your secret in all this? How can you say with all that you've gone through that you're not crushed, you're not in despair, you're not abandoned, and you're not destroyed? Well, that's what we're going to see here in a minute. Paul had this unbelievable vision of something greater than just his circumstances. Then he talks a little bit more about his difficulty in verse 10. He says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. Now, what's Paul saying here? He's saying very plainly, 
I basically have been left beaten and left for dead several times because I follow Jesus. Paul has suffered in a way you and I have not. I mean, thankfully, we don't suffer in that way in this country at this time, right? But Paul is saying, this is what I've been through. I literally bear the wounds of Jesus. As a follower of him, I've been so beat up. So what's his hope? Well, look at verse 12. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. And this is the key, verse 14. Because we know, not we hope, not we wish, not this is a great bedtime story, helps me fall asleep at night. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, man, I've been so beat down. I've literally got bruises and scars all over my body because of what people have done to me because I'm a follower of Jesus. But I'm not crushed by it. I'm not abandoned by it. I'm not struck down. No, instead, I have this hope that the same spirit that raised Jesus will raise me. If you're not a follower of Jesus, here's a little summary. Jesus comes. He's crucified on the cross in your place and mine to take our sin and shame away. He raises back from the dead. The Holy Spirit raises him back from the dead. And Paul is saying that same spirit that raised Jesus is the one that's going to raise you. It's going to raise me. And so Paul, in the midst of all that he went through, was able to say, I have this hope, and it's not just something I wish or dream up. It's something I know, that Jesus will do this for me. And if I could just remind you that we don't deserve this, right? We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve to have the hope of heaven. Scripture tells us we deserve God's anger, but he's given us his love. So you and I, we've been treated in a way that we simply don't deserve. And so here is Paul celebrating. Here's what you do in the middle of terrible times. Here's what you do when your wife's being admitted to the hospital again. Here's what you do when you don't know what your life is going to look like and you're trying to figure out what to do next. Here's what you do when you're really lonely. Here's what you do when your boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse has abandoned you. Here's what to do when no one seems to want to hang out with you and bring you into their social group. Here's what to do when you're battling anxiety and depression and fear. Here's what you do. You remember, you know, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is going to raise you one day too. Then Paul goes on. He says, And all this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, verse 16, so big, therefore we do not lose heart. Some of us in the room, you walked in tonight ready to lose heart. You walked in beat up. If I'm completely honest, I just came from the hospital. Uh, Kelly, we brought her over there, and, and I didn't, I just kind of figured we'd be going in and hydrating her and getting home, and they decided that they're admitting her. So I kind of came in a little bit with some loss of heart tonight. Some of you walked in feeling like, oh, I just can't believe this is still going on. I can't believe this is happening again. I can't believe they haven't come back. I haven't heard back from the school. I haven't heard back from the job. I have nowhere to maybe next month my, my lease is up or my rental is up or my I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how to pay the mortgage next month. You came in ready to lose heart, and Paul's saying, but because Jesus is going to raise you, in the same way he was raised, don't lose heart. That's your hope. That's what you cling to. This is just a road trip. There's something so much greater coming. Then he goes on. He says, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. You know, I hadn't really thought much about this verse, but this verse is so powerful, right? Because my body is wasting away. I had a lot, lot, lot more hair than this a long time ago. 
My body's wasting away. I'm not the athlete I used to be. I'm not the musician I used to be. I was racing my kids yesterday. I'm not as fast as I used to be. I get winded going up the steps, right? Okay. So my body is wasting away, yet inwardly something's happening. My spirit, for the Christian, for the follower of Jesus, right? My spirit is being renewed. So my body's withering, but my spirit's growing, right? Just think about this. Check out the screens for a second. Read this along with me. Our bodies start out healthy and withers away. Our soul starts out withered and grows healthy in God. You know what that tells me? That tells me that this road trip's not all that it's about. Because if this is what it was all about, then our bodies would just stay strong and our souls, whatever, they could wither, they could die. But it's the opposite. Our bodies grow weak, but when you're in a relationship with Jesus, your spirit grows strong. Your relationship with him goes strong. I remember sitting at my mom's bed in the hospice as she was dying of cancer. And here's a woman whose body had fallen apart. Couldn't talk anymore. Couldn't open her eyes anymore. But you know what? In those last conversations I had with her, her spirit was stronger than ever. Her closeness with Jesus was stronger than ever because that's what's eternal. It's what's on the inside. It's the soul that Jesus died to save. Then he goes on, verse 17, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I just want to throw a thought out there for you. The road trip produces great things, eternal things. As difficult as the road trip is, as difficult as this life is, it produces great and eternal things. There was a man once who had lost his business, had lost his finances. His wife passed away, and he was just broken. And he was walking through his town street, and he was praying, and he was going, God, where are you in all this? What are you doing in all this? And he walked by a church, and there were some guys working on the stones outside the church. They were putting new stones on the outside of the church. And this one guy was like, you know, chiseling away at this one stone. And he went over, the man went over to the guy and said, what are you going to do with that? And the, the construction worker said, well... I'm shaping this down here so that it will fit all the way up there. And the man's eyes just filled with tears. He felt like God was speaking to him in that moment. Like God was saying, that's what I'm doing for you too. I'm fashioning you down here so you'll fit in up there. I'm at work in you. And the beautiful thing about this, guys, and we don't think about this much, I sure don't, is the fact that the things God's doing in our lives on this road trip are literally eternal right? I could work out, I won't, I could work out all day long, right? And build huge muscles and just be jacked. You know what? That's going to waste away, right? But the things God is producing in you and in me here and now, we're going to be talking about them in 500 years. We're going to be talking about them in a thousand years. I just wonder if in like a thousand years, you and I will be having a conversation going, man, remember how hard that was when Kelly was in the hospital and all she was going through? Man, look what God has produced, through that. We'll have conversations about some of the things you guys are going through. Remember we were praying for your friend who was addicted? Remember we were praying for your parents' marriage? Remember we were praying that God would provide for you and direct you and lead you and show you what your, your life's supposed to be all about? Man, isn't it amazing to see what God has done? Because that stuff he's doing in us is not just for this road trip. It's eternal. And God is working such powerful, awesome things. And here's a weird thought, and it's really hard for me to say this right now, but my wife's still going through what she's going through. But I even believe in a thousand years, we'll be thankful for the things that God has done here on this road trip. We'll be able to say, God, I didn't get why Kelly was going through that, but 
But now I see it. And, and God, I'm even thankful because it produced things in me. It produced things in her, in my kids, in our church, in our community that would have never happened outside of her going through those things. So God, as hard as it is to say, God, thank you for that. Part of this verse says something that's also hard to say. Part of this verse says, in fact, Gabby, just back up to that slide before if that's okay. It says here, for our light and momentary troubles, right? We already talked about the fact that they're achieving this eternal glory, right? They're achieving this great things in us that we'll be talking about in a thousand years from now. But if we're honest, the troubles don't seem light and temporary, right? I mean, they feel overwhelming. They feel burdensome. They feel like they're going on forever. So, so how do we come to terms with that? Well, the best way that I can kind of describe it is, imagine you're standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon, right? And, and you pluck out an eyelash, okay? And you hold that eyelash up against the Grand Canyon. Now, when you plucked your eyelash out, it probably hurt a little bit. It really happened. But, but as you kind of look at the Grand Canyon behind your eyelash, light and momentary. And I kind of feel like the same is going to be true for you and me when we stand in heaven. Looking back, yes, the pain was real. Yes, it happened. But in comparison to eternity with God, light and momentary. And so this trip produces great things, eternal things. And then Paul says, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. And so this is important because in the middle of the road trip, none of us feel like doing this. We, we all like to look at the this balance in our checking account or our savings account and go, I'm in trouble. We, we all like to look at the doctor's report and go, we're in trouble. But Paul is saying, no, 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 don't look at what's seen. You have to look at what's unseen. And this is a choice you have to make in that moment. So Paul is just raising our eyes back to heaven, raising our eyes back to the destination that awaits us. Then he says this, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so I just want to throw another thought out there for you guys. The road trip will never compare to the destination. This road trip will just never compare to what awaits us. It's a, a beautiful thing God's given us, life, right? But it's the best of times and the worst of times, right? And so we have some great times, and I just want to celebrate those good times. There's beauty all around us. There should be awesome days. I love to have fun. I love to laugh. I love to see uh, amazing athletes. I love to listen to awesome music. I love to watch incredible movies. I love the beauty and the life of just being able to share that with friends and family and loved ones. I mean, that's all so powerful and good and should be celebrated. I mean, life is such a tremendous gift. The road trip has some amazing pit stops, so to speak, right? There's a, a comedian named John Donahue. I don't know anything about him, so if you Google him and he's filthy, don't hold me accountable, okay? <laughs> what I do know about John Donahue is that when he was seven, his mom tried to commit suicide. And at seven years old, he took out a pen and a piece of paper and began to write a list of things that were worth living for. He did it for his mom and he did it for himself. And from seven until, I don't know how old he is now, I would guess mid-40s by looking at him, here are some of the things on his list. All the things worth living for. Water fights. Staying up past bedtime to watch TV. Things with stripes. Roller coasters. People falling over. The smell of old books. Christopher Walken's hair. <laughs> Knowing someone well enough to get them to check your teeth for broccoli, right? So there's a bunch of great, beautiful, awesome things to live for. And you know what? Here and now, I'm praying my wife will be healed. My message to you tonight is not, well, guys, just hang on and we'll get to heaven one day. No, we pray 
that God will heal, provide, show up, break us free of addiction, help us in our sin struggles. We pray for all that. We battle for that, right? But we still know that there's a better destination coming. In fact, I would argue that the best moments we have here and now are when we bring some of heaven to earth. On Tuesday night, we had an amazing worship night. And we cried out to God together, and we prayed together, and we worshiped together. And I think we brought some of heaven to earth. And it's in those moments that I think we're most alive. I think that we're closest to God. And I think that we're living the way that God called us to. And you know when you're on the road trip, and, and you, man, there are some beautiful moments. You have the, the windows down, your favorite music blasting, and you're singing along. Like, there should be a lot of that in life, Right? But again, just that ultimate destination that God has for us has to be the thing that grounds us. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in, so he's talking about our human bodies now, is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Listen to this. This is so real and so powerful. Meanwhile, we groan. Life's hard. It's difficult sometimes. And so we groan. We go, man, it shouldn't be like this. We go, man, I don't understand why it is like this. We're perplexed, like Paul said earlier. And so we groan sometimes. And then he goes on. He says, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. He's saying instead of being in these physical bodies, we long to be with God. Because when we're clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we're in this tent, we groan and we're burdened, right? Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And what I love about this verse are the first two lines. Now the one who has fashioned us for this. What does that mean? Paul's not saying that God fashioned us to live here on this earth to be a part of this road trip. No, what did God fashion us for? Heaven. He fashioned us for no sin, no sickness, no death, no fear, no anxiety, no doubt, no hate, no unforgiveness. That's what God fashioned us for. That's what he made us for. And I'll just throw a thought out there for you guys. The road trip is not what we were made for. Temporary. God's accomplishing great things. There's some beautiful things along the way, but it's not what we were made for. My early 20s, I was in another band, another awful band back in the day, and we were touring through Pennsylvania, and we stopped at this rest area, and it was the middle of the night, and no one was in this rest area. And we went in, and as my bandmates are off getting like Twinkies from the vending machines or whatever they were doing, you know those visitor desks? Well, I just climbed up on one of those, and I fell asleep on it. I was so tired, and I was like, this is long and flat. It'll do. And I just climbed on this thing, and I fell asleep because that's what the road life is like. And I'm just telling you, you were meant for so much more than this road trip. You're not meant to live on the road forever. There's a destination, a home that God has for you and me, and Jesus is preparing that home for us now. And I just want to encourage you, if you're here tonight saying, Doug, I feel God sometimes, I love God. I feel close to him at times. But man, there's something in me that longs for something more. Is that okay? Like I feel like God does satisfy and I feel like he does give me joy I wouldn't otherwise have. But there's still a hunger in me for more. Well, that's a God-given hunger. Because you're not home yet. It's okay to groan. 
It's okay to be burdened here in this life because this is still just simply the road trip on the way to the destination of heaven. And there'll be a day, man, you and I living in what we were designed to live in with no more sickness and no more death and no more struggle, perfection. You see, mankind's sin has led to all these. But Jesus has died on the cross so that you and I can one day experience freedom from all those things. And in some ways, we begin to experience some freedom here and now. But ultimately, it'll come then. Let's finish up with verses 6 through 8. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. What's Paul saying here? He's saying, I have suffered so much and been through so much and I'm so excited about heaven that I'd actually rather be there than be here. I'd actually rather be with God than be here. And I think Paul hits on a really important key in this verse. Because so far I've been talking about heaven being awesome because we won't have sickness or death or pain or addiction or anxiety or fear or all those things. But what Paul's most excited about heaven for is being at home with a person. Right? Heaven's ultimately about a person, not just escaping pain and sin. It's about being at home with the Lord. Jesus is the treasure of heaven. He's the greatest part of it. We're going to enjoy all the rest. No calories. I'm excited for that one, right? We're going to enjoy, I don't know if that's biblical, but we're, 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 I, haven't, I haven't found that one. Ask somebody smarter than me. I don't know. But the greatest part of heaven will be the one who rescued us and brought us to heaven, and that's our Savior, Jesus. I love that. Because some of us here today, we would say, I love God, but sometimes I doubt him. I love God, but I wish I could feel him more. I love God. I wish I could see him clearly. In that day, no more barriers, no more distractions, all move. Somebody once used the example of the wind. They said God's kind of like the wind. You can't see it here and now, but you can see what the wind does. You see the effects of the wind, right? And in our lives, that's what God does. He moves in our lives. He gives us peace and joy and hope and he heals and he answers prayer and he provides and all these beautiful things. But there, man, we will see him face to face. And so I hope tonight, as we've celebrated heaven, and we've celebrated earth too, we've celebrated life and, and its beauty and its brokenness, that you and I, man, we will come to this point of being able to say, okay, when life gets hard, when, when this gets so difficult, here, here's my method. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what Paul did. He understood that when the road trip gets difficult, focus on the destination, heaven. Because that's what it's all about. That's why our body wastes away but inwardly we're renewed day by day because that's what matters, what God does on the inside of you and the inside of me. And so we need to fix our eyes on heaven. Remember, this is a choice. This is a choice. I'm going to go back to the hospital after this tonight. It feels good right now to fix my eyes on heaven. But when I'm sitting there with Kelly all night, man, that's going to be a choice. What do you need to choose to fix your eyes on heaven as you walk through? What part of your road trip's broken right now? We have to remember some things, right? That the road trip's difficult sometimes, but we don't lose heart. That the road trip produces great and eternal things, things we'll even thank God for one day. That the road trip will never compare to the destination. It has a lot of beauty, but heaven awaits us. Perfection awaits us. That the road trip is not what we were made for. And so if our hearts groan sometimes, that's okay. It's supposed to groan for something more than this broken world. And if we begin to just focus on heaven and focus on Jesus, you know what's going to be true of us? 
We're going to be able to say like Paul, we're hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. If you're not a follower of Jesus, because of Jesus we get heaven. That's the only way. We don't work our way there. We don't earn our way there. We don't hope our way there. It's about a relationship with Jesus. He died in your place so you could be in heaven when you die. This incredible exchange, his life for ours, the perfect for the imperfect, the holy for the unholy, to make you and me perfect and holy. And this gift of heaven is what awaits you and me. And like I said, we're not a bunch of wishful thinkers. We're a bunch of people who have looked at the evidence, who have experienced God, and he's convinced us that this is something that is real. And so today I'm going to give you an opportunity, if you'd like to put your trust in him, to do that. But for the rest of us in the room, I want you to think about that road trip. I want you to think about the time you drove states to go see a concert or states to go see your favorite team play, right? And there you are, and the band takes the stage or the the team takes the field or the court, and you think back on the road trip, and you kind of think about the good and the bad of the road trip, and you go, it was worth it. You know what I think? A thousand years from now, we'll be in heaven, right? And we'll be thinking back on the road trip. And we'll be thinking about the beautiful moments when we had the windows down singing our hearts out. And we'll be thinking about the moments when our license plate was dangling. But do you know what I think we'll say ultimately? It was worth it. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you've made this even possible for us. That it's possible for us to have heaven, to have a Savior, to have a God to look forward to being with for all eternity. God, would you just help us here and now, Lord? It's, it hurts, man. Life is so hard. It's so difficult sometimes. But God, you're good through it. And we thank you that if you never did another thing for us, you've already given us Jesus. You've already removed our sin. But God, we thank you that you're the God that loves to do things for us. You're the God who will continue to do things for us. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you maybe just lift to God now the things that are broken, the things that are difficult, and would you ask God, yes, to heal and provide and come through, but would you also ask him to help you to choose to look up, to choose when the the road trip gets difficult, to focus on the destination, to look to heaven, to raise your eyes higher, to not look at what's seen, the bill or the hospital records or no texts on your phone from the person you've been hoping would come in or whatever it might be, but but look higher. Look to what's unseen right now. And maybe for some of you, you're, you're like freaked out about a conversation about death and, and heaven and all that. And maybe that's something to talk with God about. God, I'm afraid to even mention these things. God, would you help me not only get over these fears, but, but actually be excited like Paul was to be with you one day. If you're not a follower of Jesus, just want to give you a minute to pray. And, and if you'd like to, to ask Jesus to be your Savior, you could just say something like this quietly. Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that you've made yourself real to these people in this room. And God, I pray you'll do that now for me. God, when I go through hard stuff, help me to look forward to this gift of heaven that you have given to me. In your name I pray.